Chapter 61 of The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter 61 Love Scene Between Victor and Lucinda Miss Lucinda Armington felt too happy after Dr. Juno left her. She thought, "'Can it be possible that I am free from bondage, free to go and come when I please? Can it last? Will not these bloody conspirators again try to abduct me? Surely I shall keep myself secluded for a time, when probably they will not disturb me. But should the deacon come to my house, I think I should kill him. Let him come.' I am no more the little confiding harmless child that I was before that fatal night when I was carried off by those ruffians. I have an indistinct recollection of all that transpired that night, at least I do now remember it for the first time. I walked into the lawn, deeply thinking of my own, my dearly beloved Victor. I was worried about him, when suddenly something was thrown over my head, and I was grasped by a rude man and carried into a carriage but beyond that I cannot recollect what happened until I found myself in that cell, and, oh, the horror that came over me and the anxiety I felt about precious Victor was too, too awful. I have learned much since then that may be useful to my dear Victor. I know how to take my own part, how to chastise a villain, and I really would undertake to general an army of soldiers, if by doing so I could assist precious Victor." Victor, Victor, you are my life, my soul, my joy, my all. Without you I could not live, and should you be overcome by your enemies, I would take your place and fight like an infuriated fiend, as the wicked deacon called me. I am anxious to learn something more of what has occurred since I have been absent, so I will ring for Pat and Judy. At your service, my dear mistress, responded Pat. "'Yes, me lovely mistress, we longs now to serve ye, and we thank the Lord for being with us again,' said Judy. "'Tell me all you know about what has happened since I have been away, about poor dear father, and how you suspicioned that I was confined in the asylum, for dear Victor told me that it was you, my noble, brave, and faithful saints, who discovered my and dear Victor's whereabouts,' exclaimed Miss Armington. "'Ah, me lady, and I blarney the old deacon.' and he told me enough thou gave me to know that you're in there," said Pat, looking as huge as a mountain, and continued, "'The next time them devils should try such doings, sure they'd find hocus-pocus thrown in their way. Let em mind that.'" Miss Armington listened for two hours to Pat and Judy, when they had time to repeat all they knew of the whole affair, with which the reader is familiar. But on several occasions they all three burst into tears as the incidents and accidents that befell her poor deceived father and beloved Victor caused the affectionate and heroic girl terrible pain. When they were through with their story, Miss Armington asked to be conducted to her bedchamber by Judy. She retired much fatigued, and in a few moments fell into a sound sleep, and slept until daylight, when she rose and dressed herself, as she expected her idol, Victor, to come early that day. At nine that morning he arrived, 
when the parlor had been thrown open for the first time since Miss Armington was abducted. She received Dr. Juno in the parlor, and after saluting each other with pleasing sentiments, embraces, and kisses, such as betrothed and persecuted lovers were alone able to bestow upon each other, Lucinda said to him, "'My precious Victor, please tell me now all about your trials, privations, and sufferings, as well as what you have done toward promulgating the cause which is so near and dear to your manly heart.' "'It will give me exceedingly great joy to do so. But I am equally anxious to learn your story, all that has happened to you since we were torn away from home.' said he. Yes, my beloved Victor, you shall know all, but I have told you the most that has transpired whilst I was a prisoner, and as I have been away much longer than yourself, for Pat and Judy told me all they knew about it, you know more to tell than I do," exclaimed she. That is so, said Victor, and I have a great deal to say to my precious love. Therefore, before I commence, be frank, and tell me first what the vile old deacon did to you last night. Did he accomplish his evil designs?" "'No, sir, dear Victor, he did not,' ejaculated she, indignantly. "'But after he had me handcuffed, he thought I was an easy victim, and I let him think that I felt as though resistance was useless. When he approached me, threw his arms around my waist, and pressed me to his body, whilst he attempted to kiss me on my mouth. I did not resist in the least on purpose to throw him off his guard, and when he attempted to kiss me on my mouth I turned my face aside and permitted him to kiss me on my cheek, and instantly I took his nasty ear in my mouth—you know I had to do it, disgusting as it was—and then I laid all my strength into my jaws and my sharp solid teeth sank nearly through his big ear, which caused him to scream murder and, although I felt his nasty, hot blood upon my breath and on my face, neck and breast, I still hung on to the ear, until I must have fainted away, and the rest you saw yourself. Thank God, dear angel, that you had the courage of a lioness and the wisdom of a sage. You are a woman, a genuine woman, one whom the gods would do homage to, one whose noble and heroic deeds swell the soul of a man and cause him to idolize and worship you as a goddess. In sooth, you are one in my esteem, and my life is magnified to ten thousand times its former size on account of being the possessor of such a treasure as yourself and your lasting love," exclaimed Victor. "'Do you then love me so much?' said she, tenderly looking into his heaven's sparkling eyes. "'But I am not worthy so good and great a man's affections love you so much. Yes, truly, I love you more than pen, tongue, eye, or God could express," interposed he, whilst he sealed it by gently pressing a kiss upon her lips, which was re-electrified by the response she gave to it, and he continued, "'Most exquisite seraph, this is heaven on earth. This is love to God and man, love in its normal sphere love that could not permit a wrong thought to enter the purified temple of God. My heaven-born Victor, you overwhelm me with exquisite sparks of delight, you magnify my womanly heart, until its innermost recesses become thrilled and electrified with oceans of bliss, and I am carried away to the realms of the blessed on the wings of celestial love. I pray it may continue to bind us together," said she. 
Amen. So be it, responded he. End of chapter 61